Gaming NBS, episode 283, recorded Monday, March 2nd, 2020! Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad to have you all here. Glad you stuck with us this long. And if you're new, holy crap, nice to meet you. Glad to have you on board. Sean, before we get too far, did you, uh, I got some gaming in this last weekend. How about you? Get anything? Any good? Any, any Not good this gaming? past weekend, no. Oh. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, out of this the abyss, weekend. Out of the abyss was Friday. My uh, my my Quagoth character, he finally, he snapped. He's, his brain is broken. So I'm walking him away. I'm going to bring back a wizard next time we get together. Alpha was super nice because, yeah, just bring back 11th level wizard. I'm like, 11th level wizard. Awesome. So that'll be cool. And then um, my buddy Nick kicked off his D20 Star Wars game. That was a lot of fun. My Mandalorian big game hunter had a good time. It was a lot. It was pretty good. We're on Dathomir. So that was cool. Let's see if we know what Dathomir is. I do. All right. So we were there. That was cool. Did you see yeah. the sights? We did. Saw some cool stuff. Found some old relics. Dug up some crap, found some clues. We're totally befuddled. One of the players was like, what the hell? Well, the cool things that Nick did, apart from the game being a lot of fun, was his older sister um, had played D&D like ages and ages back. And she was talking to Nick. She's like, I really want to try this thing again. And she hung out with the guys at Nick's place. Her and her husband came over and she's like, oh, I don't know if they'll let me play, blah, blah. And Nick's like, you're my sister. Get in here. So... She sat next to me between Nick and I, and uh, I had a lot of, what do I roll again? How, how does this work? But holy crap, like like in the deep end, like I want to figure this out. Shouldn't we stay here longer and find out more clues? I don't know if we got all the information, guys. Oh, maybe we should do this. Um, she, was more than, <laughs> she was more than happy when she found the NPC that her character didn't like. She looked at me and goes, Brett, you need to fucking kill her. <laughs> <laughs> like she doesn't do anything wrong yet. Oh, she's done wrong things to me. She needs to die. <laughs> so it was great. She had a lot of she had a lot of good insight, and she was a ton of fun at the table. So I'm glad got her involved. That's fun. Sounds and fantastic, Brett. It was. And I did float my idea for my new uh, campaign to Nick and Alpha to get their clearance. That hey, I'm gonna I want to try this thing, and I don't want to mess up your your mojo. And they were both like, No, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. So I started circulating that with the rest of the crew, and they're on board to give it a shot. I may have one or two people who aren't too game for, like, the internet banter back and forth on either a chat room or blah, blah, blah. I told them, hey, you know, that's on you if you don't want to do that stuff. When the game officially kicks off in the round or with all of us at once, you may be behind the curve a little bit. If that's all right with you, then that's fine, but I'm not going to make you do it. So we'll see what happens there. But all in all, everyone was interested to see what I had to what I had to say, and uh, they're willing to give it a go. So, more reports later as I get further along. Fools! <laughs> Pack of fools. Fools they are. They yeah. should have never let you do that, Brett. Yeah, they've they owe me. <laughs> I don't know what they owe me. <laughs> see how it goes. Status yeah. report. Hey, BSers, status reports coming yes. weekly. Weekly, yeah. We'll weekly. See we'll see how we do. Um, let's see. Announcement wise, let's, uh, one thing I wanted to say, I haven't said this out loud to tons and tons of people, but 
Um, I am stepping down from a active leadership role for Evercon. I, it's Yes, 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 I know. <laughs> My myriad of people who want to complain to me about the convention. I'll have to find someone else to complain to. <laughs> I thought you were going to do that on the down low, man. No, it's, I mean, we've, we've announced that we're looking for myself and my partners. It's just, it's come down to a point where we have a lot of different things going on. So we're trying to reshuffle where we can, where we can get things sorted out. So the goal is to make sure that we find someone to step in so they can grab on stuff and keep the convention rolling. I want to attend the con. I can attend it, plan to run games, tons of them and have a good time and all that stuff. But from a uh, running it per perspective, I just don't have the, don't have the bandwidth anymore. Is it officially for sale? I don't know if I would say that. We've got we're working with a group from uh, that are that have been regular Evercon convention goers for a very long time, and uh, they're very interested in stepping in to help out. So is that a private equity firm? Yeah, private equity <laughs> firm. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's a little little something I'm working out with someone you may know. Uh, uh, he's made it some sort of a car that runs on electricity. Just so you know, I'm kidding. It's, Yes, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk Elon is going to buy Evercon. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of his private side deals. He's, Spread the rumor. Yeah, we're going to be the first con on the moon, thanks to Elon. Wow. Yeah, it's looking for big, big, big things out of that deal. So anyway, hush, hush. I'm only saying it here because all six of our listeners won't tell anybody else. So hey, there we go. Anyway, um, speaking of all six of our listeners, Sean, you sent a survey out to the bevy of men, women, and other folks who listen to us. I posted it on our forums and Discord and email list. Did Patreon. You no, I didn't send it to the email list. I should probably do an email. You should though. probably do an email. But um, if you haven't seen it, we'll have a link in the uh, show notes. After the board meeting, Brett and I wanted to figure out if we did run games, how we would go about doing that. So we talked and about this last episode. We were going to throw yes. a, a survey out there. So it's that thing. Yeah. So we get feedback from you. And if you've weighed in already, which like 20 some people have, thank you very much. Wow. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it was going to be just Brett and I, and we've molded over. And I thought one of the things to put in the survey is just to find out if BSers would be open to running games for other BSers. You don't have to. I'm just curious. And whatever that means, we didn't put a timeline on there. We didn't, you know, it could be just like. This is be, exploratory question. It is folks, totally like, <laughs> exploratory. Like, hey, hey, like a West March's hex crawl. Like exploratory. a hex crawl. Very much like that. We decided, decided to go east for two hexes. We might die on the next hex. We're not sure quite yet. Um, so everybody cool. weigh in because it's just not for Patreons. We want to find out if, you know. Where's the interest? What groups, different people, types who want to do different things? And when I say types, I'm talking people who just want to, people like, oh, I just want to run a game in that space. Oh, I just want to play. Or, oh, I'd love to, but I can't. Or whatever. Everybody's got a little niche spot where they're like, hey, I would love to do this if it falls in the X category. And as we said before, not going to make everybody happy. We can't make everything work for everyone, but we'll give it a good, give it a good go and see what we can do. I can. I know can. Sean can. I can make everybody happy. Yeah. You could do that by getting no. rid of me. No. Uh, and then I'll be at Gary Con, I think, Saturday for sure. So I'll be playing in probably Tim DeShane's Astonishing Sorcerer and Sorcerer Sorcerer's Hyperborea. Well, Tim and I already decided we're playing Friday night, so you're fucked. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we haven't done that yet. So uh, I'm working with Tim 
And when I say working with Tim, I need to get hold of Tim after this uh, recording and say, hey, I've got some folks lined up. What time are you thinking of? And then we'll just say, hey, it's going to be here at this location. And we'll see what we can do. So I think that's that's it for announcements, man. Yeah, That is it for announcements, Brad. Damn. Let's move this shit on. Random encounter where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our forums. Chris Shorb leaves us a voicemail on our last episode, Practicing RPGs. Right. Sean, it's Chris Shorb. How are you guys doing? Wanted to talk about your most recent episode on practice. I think you guys should have a follow-up episode. And so I, basically what I came away from that is you guys strongly encourage people to practice. I would love to have, hear your ideas, practical ideas of exactly how you practice. So reading the books, that seems to me kind of the academic part of things, but not the actual practice part of things. It's like reading all the biology textbooks and saying, yep, I can go do brain surgery. No, I don't think so. You got to go practice. So, and then what am I practicing for? I guess I'm thinking practice would be something not at the table. <clears throat> like, I don't know what, I don't, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like setting up my whole table as if people were there and then talking through it. The thing about role-playing games that's different from, say, giving a speech or performing brain surgery is that when people are there, it's like, who knows what can happen? Oh, I have an idea. Maybe what I can talk through, think through, is try to think of five different ways the players are going to break the game and then be ready for that and kind of have a response maybe written down or I practice saying the response, something like that. Maybe that's one practical way to practice. I don't know. I'm, maybe I need to post, I don't know, maybe you can have a follow-up or post it on the forums and get a kind of crowdsourced answer. Anyways, as always, great show, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. That's a good call, man. We started off with kind of a, hey, it's a good idea to do this thing. Tried to define the thing a little bit. I mean, like practicing. Like, oh, yeah, cool. I should practice. How the fuck do I actually do that? And so, Chris, that's a damn good point. I have that as a note. We'll have to do a follow-up. No that's two just, ways around it, Sean. You got to you know, you just start with your dice and you, you put them in your hand and you shake them a little bit and then you put them on the table. No, no, whoa, whoa. Pick all them the back dice, up. All the dice at once, Sean. Yeah. What kind of what kind of deep end of the pool are you throwing people in, yeah. you dick? Well, start off Too with much. the whole pool. All right, fine, fine. Yeah, then uh, whittle it down one to one. Nice. Yeah, and then start out with a player character sheet. Fill that out two, three times. I got this down, Brett. I Very got nice. your back, Brett. All right. What we're gonna do is we're gonna actually we're gonna market a uh, practicing um, first person video. We're gonna get. Jeff and the crazier bastards from my game, and we're gonna get them all at a table, like screaming things at you. <laughs> just you could just play it while you sit behind a, a game master screen and just get used to the madness. And once you're numb to that, you don't even know what's going on. You're ready to go. It's like taking the pebble from my hand, type of thing. Yeah. No, but uh, seriously, Chris, Mister Schwab, that is a damn fine, fine idea. So we shall do that. I'll read the first one after this. You ready, Sean? I am ready, Brett. Mr. Time Monger comments on our forums regarding folklore foes a couple episodes back. 
One of the games I play that allows you to pick and choose how powerful or powerless the monster is, is ICRPG. It's a great game system where you can choose to buy an index card from one of three packs you can buy in drive through of 100 cards per pack. I pick the skills it might have. A story to go along with the picture. My favorite is the skeleton, skeleton or skeleton, uh, skeleton. Good God, I'm talking like Sean. Skeleton carrying a Gatling gun, wearing a sombrero. What kind of stats would you give him? Also, the creature of the game system would be an awesome guy to interview. The creator, excuse me, creator of the game system would be an awesome guy to interview about RPGs, not just about his game as well. Very cool, Ty. Thank you much, man. That's a good point. We got a link in the show notes to that. Um, and uh, I like that stuff. I like those things. I have. That's yeah, uh, the index card RPG. Yeah. Yeah. My son AJ picked up some index cards from. Not nah, shouldn't say index cards, but some. I may have mentioned this, God knows how long ago. Anyway, point is, he was at Gary Khan, bought some cards that had, like, a picture of a dwarf on one side and a bunch of stats on the back or theoretical idea. He's strong, he's weak, he likes this, he likes that, and then dungeon cards and so on. And he mixed a bunch of them up, and he just ran an adventure off of those, which I thought was pretty cool. So this type of thing is pretty cool. This could go into our practice episode. I'm going to have to make a note. I think, uh, I, don't, I think that role-playing game is an American game because they don't have a lot of index cards over in Europe is what I heard. Well, that's because we own them all. Oh, yeah. yeah. We already, we, we know about this. Phil Vecchio on the misdirected, <laughs> misdirected market coded design screw has completely cornered the market on index cards. I think we're going back like 250 episodes. I'm just saying, it's, <laughs> I have yet to, my sources, my teams, the teams, my global IT teams over in Germany right now, they can't get an index card. Not to say <sighs> the souls. That's a I, got, I, got, I got guys in, in, in Surrey in in, uh, in in Melbourne, Australia. Hey, Serge, Sergio, you, you got an index card? Write that down. I can't, man. Sorry. Nothing. <sighs> can't get an index card. Dude, I thought the coronavirus was bad. No, it's not good. We have an office in Moscow. Can't get into index cards. They what? get gray market index cards. I mean, it's not right. good. No. And the Chinese embargo on index cards? Don't even get me started. It's terrible. <laughs> wow. Anyway, over to you, sir. Robert Nolabert Nemeth. Nolabert on the forums, episode 282. Interesting episode, Sean and Brett. I haven't completely finished it, so I may come back and add to what I'm writing here. Huh. Well, how do you know it's all interesting then, Robert? <laughs> That's probably later on he says something like, that wasn't nearly as interesting as I thought it was. <laughs> Carry on. He should have said, it starts out interesting, so I have the rest to listen to. Um, but I'm mostly writing to give a little more context to the 10,000 hours estimate, which we've already been corrected on was kind of bunk. Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah. I'm a, oh, here we go. I'm a cognitive psychologist, and the research on expertise comes out of cognitive psych and artificial intelligence. I haven't read any of Malcolm Gladwell books, but as far as I know, he made a big splash about 15 years ago distilling a lot of psychology, much of it cognitive psychology in popular press books. Looking at his Wikipedia entries for his books, I see a number of psychologists have criticized his conclusions. The problem with pop psych is that it wants to distill messy research findings into overly simplistic sound bites. Uh, buy that, dude. He should start a podcast. You totally should. <laughs> simplistic sound bites. That's the name of the podcast. It's there. I like it. So I don't know where he gets 10,000 hours estimate. I'm more familiar with the 10 years estimate to become an expert. I checked one of my cognitive psych textbooks to find out if there was a direct reference, but I couldn't find one. And the textbook author, Margaret Mat Matlin? Matlin. 
Matlin, states that most researchers in this area have moved away from the 10 years estimate because it's too simplistic a statement. People show different rates of obtaining expertise depending on the field. So I truncated this because he has, if you go to the forums, he has some way cool additional explanation and examples on different rates of obtaining expertise. Um, it's lengthy, and I thought it was really cool, but I'm like, this is not going to translate well if we read this whole thing, but it's good. So if you go out in the forums, read it. It's fun. Although although I haven't finished listening to the episode, I think I'm more in line with Brett. Booyah. Oh. I, got well, a psych- I have hey. a psychology professor on my side. What have you got, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> I think this becomes a pretty prickly topic because people get sensitive regarding the discussion of experience with RPGs, interpreting and interpreting any discussion of such as gatekeeping. Very true. Oh, yes, indeed. You know, one thing that always gets chaps my chaps my hide. This Brad. is a, this is an aside. This is Sean. This talking. is an aside. This is not Robert. <laughs> Robert, Robert did not start. <laughs> you know, chaps my ass. He did not start with that. No, anyway. I, Sean Kelly. You know what cha- chaps my ass? What's that? Well, it irks the hell out of me when people. And I've brought this up on the show before. For whatever reason, a person's RPG credentials has to do with when they started playing. Yeah, it's fucked it. Fucking weird. I don't get it. I started playing when it was 1974. It was white box. It was like a textbook. I got a notepad. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's it's neat from like, oh, wow, you've been in the hobby this whole time. Oh, wow. And some people are like, oh, wow, you haven't ever done anything different. You're still having fun, though. Good on you. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's weird. Like, oh, I've been playing longer, therefore I'm better, more intelligent. Whatever. I actually, and I'll stipulate, I actually don't mind when somebody says, hey, I've been gaming for a little while and I've started with the white box, right? If it's like very matter of fact, I don't mind. But when it's used as a measure of, I've I got know my more proverbial shit together because I've been gaming since the 70s. Yeah, I know more than you. I'm better at this. And you let me tell you how it is. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what irks the shit out of me because no, it's, it's, no. That's 18 different piles of horseshit right there. Yeah. It's just dumb. If you like the game, great. If you've, you know, hey, when I first started, it was this, great. But if it's a measure of uh, degree, pfft. no. All right. Anyways, moving on. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's, right. it's just something that irks. Like, I listen to podcasts. Oh, I started, you know, gaming in 1980. I'm like, okay, great. You're good. Good on you. Good we, on we've you. done too. Like, oh, yeah. I've started out here. But when when that is used as license to gatekeep, inform others of how right you are, or let me tell you how it is, kid, that's just that's where it goes wrong. Well, let me, I, the, you know, I'm right. old. I'm older than Brett. I know. I've got dice older than Brett. No, you don't. You like that one? I do like that one. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I have heard that. I got dice older than that kid. I, okay, good, good. I, good for I you. only do it. I only do it to to people that I love. Like my, oh, yeah. my, like Jeff's son, my Logan. kids, my kids. I got yeah. dice alert in you, AJ. He's like, I know, right. Dad. Yeah, come here, come here, whippersnapper. Yeah. Brett's, Brett's getting mad because I'm not getting through the email. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> I totally, I get what you're saying. And it's it, it. I hear this at a number of different gaming conventions. You hear it all loud, and somebody say, "Well, I've been playing since '73," and they start not. I'm being overly smarmy there, but people have this. Well, I've been playing since '73. Let me tell you, this is what Gary Gygax meant when he wrote that. Ugh. Were you fucking there? No, but I was playing then. Where were you? I was in Atlanta. Okay, good. Good for you. It's just weird. Yeah. What I really like to hear is when people say, hey, I've been playing since 73. And let me tell you, it was really kind of a cool time in my little gaming sphere in Atlanta. 
this is what was going on because I was really involved in the hobby down there. This is what the stores were doing. Man, we ate up all those new White Dwarf magazines. That is fucking awesome. That's cool. Those are cool stories. That's fun shit to share. But uh, being some sort of a jerk who tells people that you're better than they are, or smarter, or stronger, or faster, or know more about something just because you put time in doesn't necessarily make you better. He continues. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that thinking comes from an illicit conversion in conditional reasoning. Oh, God. I like this. I love Robert, but man, that no, guy knows textbooks. He's smart. Keep going. He's freaking smart. Conditional reasoning takes the form of if P, then Q. So, for instance, if a person has a lot of experience with RPGs, then they will be a better GM referee. Mm-hmm. People who grouse that statement, I believe, do so because they make the illicit conversion of if Q, then P. Therefore, if a person is a better GM referee, then they have a lot of experience with RPGs. That would be a logical fallacy. Agreed. See, so Robert is on my page. No, he's on both of ours, basically. We're yeah. saying, look, you know, you, it's not. I predicted yeah. him saying this. No, it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, man. Now I got Professor Nemeth, man, backing yeah. my shit up. All right, we'll take it. That would be a logical fallacy. People learn at different rates, and some people are quick to take to various skills. Yep. Indeed. Yep. I think that's all the more reason to uh, have a follow-up episode and just talk about different methods of practice and get some of that stuff from folks in the community. Like, hey, what if what would you have considered practice? Is it just going to convention and running the same adventure 52 times? You know, what helps you practice? You know, it's almost like, how do you prep? Sometimes prep is a form of practice. We can get into that more in another episode. So, but I like this stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Professor, sir. Yeah. No, Lebert. All right. So more on this from Jared Rasher in the forums. He starts off with, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to recover from the term Jeff Deep. And I, I think I threw that phrase out there. And after I said it, I knew that would come back to haunt me. And there it is staring me Better in the face. Get Jeff Deep. And I, I think we need to stop saying that because. When you need to roll something, like it's an incredible roll and the odds are stacked against you. And if you fail, your character is going to die a miserable fate of just puddly goo. A million to one chance, but it just might work. You gotta, you gotta reach Jeff deep. You gotta go. Yeah, Sean, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go full Jeff. Are we That's full right. Jeff? Are we full Jeff on this one? That may be better. Are we in Jeff mode. I like that too. <laughs> All right. Regarding the discussions on pregens, I've said it before elsewhere on the site, but Mike Shea's pregen characters in his Sly Flourish adventures are great. They have choices like race, ability scores, and class all determined, but with a few choices like backgrounds, traits left open for customization. Digging into the 10,000 hours of practice angle. Oh, God, I'm still wrong. Uh, I think one of the advantages of GM advice in the discussion of best practice is not that you will never make mistakes after hearing that advice, but you may be more likely to recognize when you're making a mistake in the moment because something about the situation sounds familiar based on GM advice, GM advice you may have heard. In other words, good instruction and advice probably cuts down on how many of those 10,000 hours you really need to participate in for the development of skills. Doing things with, uh, with intentionally uh, doing things with intentionally changes the potential outcome. Oh, intentionality. Sorry. Sorry, Jared. I told you, Mr. Doing things with intentionality changes the potential outcome. If you put in 
The hours playing without thinking much about developing particular skills, you may develop some new tricks and best practices. But thinking about it, for example, encounter structure, when an encounter doesn't work, you're more likely to make that mental checklist of what isn't working and what is missing. Getting really good, you don't just think about what went wrong, but what we can do in the moment to correct. A lot of this boils down to communicating intent. Mechanics can definitely reinforce genre and transform a blah framework of a game into something that is great for doing a very specific thing. It's going to be way easier to use those tools if the game designer tells you what they think mechanic A reinforces genre trope B. It's one of the things I love about 13th Age. The sidebars aren't just factual statements about the way mechanics do what they do, but they're an ongoing discussion of the designer's intent and where they evolved how the game worked. The quality of those 10,000 hours is going to vary a lot. Hours of running only D&D won't produce the same results as running those hours of different RPGs, playing different RPGs and consuming media from various different sources from which the genre tropes of the game are drawn. I'm not saying everyone should do this, but we, but me watching Star Wars movies over and over again will lead to me having a better handle on running a Star Wars RPG. But me sitting down saying, what are the traits of the criminal underworld in Star Wars? And watching the movies while taking notes whenever some criminal element shows up gives me a lot of tropes to drop in an edge in, in an edge of the Empire game. God, I can't read. On the other hand, cutting down on the gap between having zero hours and having 10,000 hours would be, telling, would be game designers telling us what their intent is. <clears throat> I could never wrap my head around keep on the Borderlands because I didn't know why the PCs hang out with each other and how they get to the keep. On the other hand, if the adventure had literally said, don't worry how they got there, let them fill in the details later, I uh, would have relaxed and done that. On the other hand, I got Isle of Dread because right near the start it says, the PCs should be hanging out here and there are a handful of ways you could get them on a boat heading for the island with a purpose. I think some of that intent, clear rules and stuff, I think that's a very good point. We, I didn't lean into that much in the discussion, Jared, but I think you're right. Because if I tell you, hey, this is the city of Avalon. This is how it's built, how it's designed. You want to set up a neighborhood in it, you should do these things. You want an Avalon-style adventure, here's an example. And this is what I would do if I were you to make one feel like this. Telling somebody directly, this is what this is is really important. And I think one of the challenges that we have, we talked about this um, with Tim DeShane, Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, is the language and how it's used, how Gary Gygax used a very flowery Gygaxian prose, as we call it now. High Gygaxian. Um, or Hygaxian. 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 <laughs> That's right. Appendix N is Hygaxian. Hygaxian. They have their own phrase. They, they a, pull a word out of a, the novel that they're reviewing. Yeah, it's an awesome yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I love that show. Anyway, uh, where was it going? Oh, anyhow. Um, High Guy Gaxian. Yeah, but being being very direct and so on, there's like this w weird balance. We've talked about this with, with game s systems before or game books. There's like all the mechanics, which is like how-to manual. Then there's the setting, which is get the feeling, understand this. Then there's like weird advice plotted in there. There's a math book somewhere in there, an ecology textbook. There's all sorts of stuff wedged in there. I think the more you can broadcast, forecast, specifically underscore, underline, bold your intent of what a thing is, it will help. And some people would say, keep it in Portland. Oh, that, was one that hard. wasn't that hard for me. All I did was this, which only underscores Professor Namath and uh, Jared's comments here is like, hey, people learn different things at different rates. And how do you help to cut that down? Right. What can you do? And we try to talk about that on that episode where like, look, you know. Certain things help you properly, good mechanics and good intention and good writing will help you shortcut some of that stuff. And hence this entire podcast and every other bit of 
RPG advice you could find out there. All that stuff is a good way to help you shortcut your way past some of the, I don't understand this, or I'm not sure how to do it, or what do I do if type of things. So Jared, really good stuff as always, man. And I like some of the pieces you have in there. And I think we're going to have to throw that stuff into the follow-up episode as well. So thank you all very much. That was good stuff. Yeah. Thanks everybody for writing in and uh, chiming in and letting us know that we either did or did not make any sense on our main topic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into the main topic of this one, baby. Let's go, Brett, baby! So this one we want to talk about soundtracks, music, atmosphere, all that stuff, audio at the table. Got a couple links to some of the forums, um, forum threads, I should say, over in our forums, where people have asked about it. We've talked about this in previous episodes, way the hell back, a little bit about it. And I've mentioned one of the tools I use. I use DMDJ. Got to link it down there and die roll for folks. DMDJ Crazy Brett. That's yep. what it is. DMDJ Crazy DM Brett. DMDJ Crazy Brett. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a big D20 clock I wear. Wiki, wiki, uh, wiki. Anyway. And so it's interesting because I think people have, have um, we, we've thrown the term immersion around and all that stuff sometimes. Like, oh, this helps me be immersed in the game or whatever. For me, and I think I've I think I've said this as clearly as I could before, for me, anything I can do to make the game experience feel like the outside world doesn't matter, that we are focused here to game. Yeah, we'll have our bullshit session and, hey, I saw this movie or, hey, we're going to take a break. Nick needs to have a smoke. We're going to get some pizza. Um, whatever the case is, we take a two-minute stretch. Someone's got to go to the bathroom. And you have those break moments. But generally speaking, what I'm trying to do at the table is I want you to feel like this is the only thing going on right now. If we're gaming for six to eight hours or even a four-hour session at a convention, I don't want your mind to wander. I don't want you to be worried about what's going on anywhere else. I want you to stay as focused as I can. Brett. Yes. Do you know Do you know how your wife feels now? I'm, I'm sorry. What's, what is it? About uh, <laughs> About 830? What is it? <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. So are you talking? She would, she would like you right here. Yeah. At yeah. certain times. like Yeah. She like, uh, it's the old joke, right? My wife says I don't listen to some other stuff. I'm not sure what she said. <laughs> that's an old, ter- that's an old terrible joke. That's a dad joke. <laughs> it's very much a dad it's joke. A bad, it's a dad, dad joke. But so anyway, I, I started my buddy Alpha in his game room in his basement. He put out this wonderful, like, full surround sound wireless speaker thing. And I've got Bluetooth too. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And he started using a couple different music, sound effects, and so forth. And what we found is that that tool had a, um, it has some ambient sounds. You could say dungeon has a dungeon, like just ambient sounds that fit that setting. I mean, I ran a, we had a huge battle, a huge pitch battle in the town. And I said, there was chaos, it's war and whatever. And I was able to go through, you're going to have to edit that. I hit my boom. I apologize. Um, and I, and I, there's this huge, like, oh, a big medieval battle scene. So it's got horses screaming and trampling and smashing of swords and twanging of bows. I'm like, perfect. It was just a backdrop. And then we ran the regular combat just with the noise around us. And I asked him, I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. I, I hadn't thought about doing that in a while. And he mentioned me, he said, hey, remember that? Call Cthulhu game you ran with that soundtrack, which was um, John Wick's uh, Yellow Sign stuff. It was the first one he did. I'll have to find 
a link and see if he still has it out there. But I was able to get a hold of, because he had it downloaded for free at the time, a soundtrack for the one where you're playing these Nazis in the jungle and there's this, this jungle soundtrack. It goes on, it's just rain and rain and animals and stuff. And and then this weird sound occurs. And that's a cue you use as a game master to make something happen. It's pretty cool. It's kind of random throughout and it's always worked very well every time I've used it. Sean, I used that with you guys. When? When, when we were, I, th- I believe I used it. Oh, shit, I wonder if I did with you guys. Oh, dude. Fuck. Didn't I? When we were no. up at the game hole, didn't I use sound? No. Damn no. it. Where were you gonna pump oh. it? To? Where, where are you gonna pump it to? Oh, I cheated you then. I gotta rerun that. I gotta rerun that with the sound. Well, it's way cool. You can't retcon it now, man. Well, well I'll just I'll just do it different. That'd be oh. fun. You'll like it. You'll like it. All right. I'm anyway, little, man. Point, point is, is is Alpha said, "Hey, I like that." I was trying to find a way that we could have music set up and or sound effects, and he happened to find that tool. And I know I started using the tool when I'm playing with AJ and Lana when I'm running my home game here. At the home. <laughs> because I found that if I have some ambient noises, it actually, when we have some downtime, they have like a, the sound of an inn, they have the sound of a streetcar, blah, 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 all these different noises. So they're at the inn in front of a fireplace talking to somebody. I play the sounds. And the kids think that's wonderful. Like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And it, honestly, it helps keep them focused. because it's like, you're, it's like you're there, kids. Exactly. It's, they're 11 and 13. So, you know, their attention to detail isn't always very good because they're kids. So, again, my goal for any music or whatever is to help kind of keep them in there. It also has some really cool sounds like animals slithering through this uh, Cthulhu-type chanting, blah, blah, blah. So I would play some of these sounds periodically, say it sounds like this. The downside for me anyway, of any of those types of things, is that it takes time. Um, you have to have whatever tool you have, you have to be able to navigate the tool fairly well, set up your favorites, whatever it is you got to do, and say, I'm going to use this sound effect, this sound effect, and this sound effect. And there's going to come a time during the game you're playing, you say, oh, I wonder if there's a sound effect for this thing, because that would be really cool. And for me, I have to fight the temptation to say, hang on a second, I think I have a cool sound for this, and then fuck about with the sound tool, the soundboard, to try to find something. It's kind of like when Sean's trying to find Gus. It's just, it's hard, right? You're like, ah, crap, where is that, right? It's funny when we do it, um, but when you're at the game, see, there you go. Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're at timely the game. Timely as ever. Timely as ever. But when you're at the, thanks, Gus. But when you're on the game, at the game, and the DM stops to look up something, you're like, that may feel like is just neat, but not necessary. It can it feels like you're slowing it down. So I'm trying to find the regular kind of background noise type of thing. I find to be more effective for my style of gaming than it is trying to find individual sound bites or slices to hit periodically through. So Sean, are you at all using sounds game game stuff like that when you run your master and Do you have some? 20s jazz going or anything in the background? I don't, but I think I got a USB hub, a USB drive with some stuff on it. I've never plugged it in and checked it out, but whatever. Have you ever used sound effects at a game? Either music, anything? Yeah, yeah. Star Wars. I used to play, when I ran Star Wars, I would... um, Open with a crawl? I would definitely open with a crawl. That was a no-brainer. And then I would have... The pew pew? I would have a, pl- no, I'd have a playlist of, well, 
if I was playing, I would have a pew pew on my phone. So I'd really? download like a Star Wars laser gun. So when it was my turn, I'd just pull it up on my phone and go, I just hit it. Pew, 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 That's pew, awesome. Pew, That's pew, funny. Um, but I have, so I, I've used it. I've used playlists. Um, so I'll label a playlist action and I'll put action music into it and then I'll have that start. I will put it on loop. The problem is, is some of those songs and music will have a lull. So when you're, and it's like sometimes never timed correctly. Yeah. Like, all right, Sean, baby. And it's like all of a sudden goes into melodic. Yeah. Mellow. Piano, plinky, 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 plinky. Like, yes. What the fuck? What was that? So, really? So, really? Yeah. Yeah. Something that's pretty mellow versus, hey, I'm about to blow this thing away. But Jeff, he, we can't go in an episode now without talking about Jeff. He's out, He pulls up shit at the table all the time. He Googles YouTube and he'll be like, so one of the guys got turned into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So Brett had to pull, or Brett, Jeff had to pull up, um, T-Rex sounds from like um, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park. Yeah, yeah. I have, I've had it where I was playing and somebody said, oh, it's like a minigun. So I quick looked up Vulcan minigun. <laughs> Hear the buzz, that, zzz, that the sound it makes. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, that's right. So they, they can be distracting, I guess. You know, when someone looks up a YouTube video, goes, oh, it's just like this thing. It can be very distracting. And I think for me, it it's a game, right? It's We're not... I don't really have an audience of that's just my friends and I or someone, you know, if we're at at a con and we're playing. Cons are difficult for me to run with anything with music just because or sounds because it's so loud. I don't have a private room to play anything in, so it's just freaking loud. But when I'm running for my friends, it's difficult to, like I said, I don't want to interrupt the game. I don't want to stop it, start it, and get in a weird, oh, let me show you this video. Oh, here, here's a Nick Cave song. Oh, wait, wait, blah, blah, blah. Here's some Tom Waits I just heard. I, the uh, you know, it, it can it can derail the game <laughs> sometimes. So I found just poking around. Alpha found the tool. And I'm like, okay, this works really well. I haven't found another one. And maybe somebody else out there knows of one that's it has like the right ambient sounds and just some general noise. So you could have like there's a World War II battle. There's a you know starships. There's a this stuff that's just noise that's in the background. So like if you're in a steam tunnel. Or in a, in a sewer, it has the dripping sewer sounds and everything. It just, it just plays that stuff. And with that kind of innocuous background white noise almost to a point of like you're here, you're in the end, you can hear the generalized in hustle and bustle noises. And when it does that, that's cool. It's not blaring. It's not overpowering sound because they don't turn the volume up that damn loud. But then it allows me to engage with the players and they feel like they're surrounded by stuff it just it's a nice atmosphere mood setting type of sound more than anything else and i find that even even in a modern game in my uh delta green stuff i didn't want to play anything that was like really like modern music or anything i really didn't feel like pulling out you know metal albums or trying to mix stuff mix songs or something i just didn't i just want kind of a generic Mood music, I guess. I don't know what else to say. It just seems to work well for my team or my crew, I should say. I don't know. But you you do all sorts of different stuff, or at least your players do. Well, I mean, I've done the playlist piece, and then I've gotten away with it. When I started out 
I guess I should. Is this a stable? Do you, is this a staple for you? Do you do this all the time? No, no. Like right now, tomb of annihilation. I'm not running any audio. But when I started, when I started it, and they were going through the jungle, gotta run through the jungle. No. Oh, oh, little CCR. All right. Well, one of the, Jeff would pull that up. Gotta okay. run through the jungle, and but I would run tabletop audio, jungle background audio, okay. and then. If I had them roll, because there's random charts on weather, wind, rain, and heat, I think out of the three charts. Um, so if I got, if they were in a rainstorm, yeah, that's coming down. Then I would just click rainstorm and I'd crank the volume all the way up. The nice thing about tabletop audio is you can have multiple things going at once and you could change the volume of each effect. DMDJ does a very similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, DJ Crazy Brit. That's one of the reasons I like it is because I can mix some of the effects and change the different like sound effects versus weather versus something else volume can mix and match a little bit. Do you find that you start using audio and then you quit because it's a pain in the ass or you forget? Like, oh shit, I forgot to turn the sound on. I've had that happen to me. I'm just wondering if it's happened to you. Well, the thing is about audio, one of the things I don't like about it is if you get one track and you're running it, and you're playing for three hours, that track can get pretty goddamn boring. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And so then you got to kind of, and it's not always applicable, right? It's like, okay, they're going from outside to inside, or the mood changes, and you forget to change the music. You're like, oh, shit. Oops. Or, oh, or hold on a second, everybody roll for initiative. Doop, do do. where is that? Where is that? Where is that? Where is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, hold on a second. Okay, here. Ah, oh, shit, that's not the one. Right, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Okay, now I got it. There's the sound. Can you hear it? Oh, no. let me turn it up. Turn, turn it up. up. Oh, I got to turn it up. I got to turn it up. Nice. Oh, uh, my phone, my volume. It's all the way up. Hey, wait a minute. Is the speakers plugged in? Well, check those speakers. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, you got to have that. You got to, that sucks the wind out of everything. And so you got to have that stuff set up. I'm not always consistent, but there are games where I would love to do it. Uh, Roll20, I would run background noise. True, yeah. Because you could pipe it in pretty easily. I think when you're using technology like that, you're, you're DJing however it is you're doing it. I think it's important to, to your point, eh, kind of hee-hee, flashback to practice. But you that's a piece from a practice perspective. Set it up and run the setup, right? If I'm at Alpha's place, I get there early. I get my iPad set up. I make sure that I've connected Bluetooth properly and I get my stuff going. Before the game starts, I want to get that rolling. Every time I have run the um the yellow the yellow sign game that has the uh, the jungle audio and the the crazy sound and everything from that John Wick game, I bring a, like a Bluetooth speaker or something and I I test it and make sure my soundtrack is where I want it. I can loop it, blah blah blah. I just I make sure that it's working. Probably for me it just comes from an IT background, if it's technology, I'm in the when, not the if business, shit's going to break, something's not going to work. So I always make sure I've got it tested and tried and true and ready to go wherever I get to. And I think you need to be, depending what kind of space you like to have at the table, as you said, Sean, you know, if you're cutting from point A to point B and so on and so forth, if you're like, oh, I really like to have this movie flow of this kind of Seamless, soft, quiet to panic. Oh my God, fight. And then back to something else. And 
oh, it's a chase scene, and now it's not a chase scene, blah, blah, blah. That's hard to do. There's they there's a reason why they film everything and then add the sound in later. <laughs> right? There's there's a reason they do that. And unless you've got Mixmaster, you know, Sean next to you running Foley artist for you during the game during the game, it's gonna be tough. So a way to do this that I've had um people, other people I've talked to, my buddies have done this too, is you have certain music for certain specific scenes. Like if you're running a pre-published adventure, it can be kind of cool. Like, oh, when they get to the fane of the drow or the, you know, the the throne room of the Invincible Overlord where the big battle's going to happen, I've got some music set up just for that. And having it be a special event can be pretty cool. And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, but then they all, oh, it's got to be a special event because be big music, you know, it's going to be a big fight. Part of me is like, who gives a fuck? Oh, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. Eileen put all this effort in. She's got some music just for this fight. This is pretty neat. It must be important. And that's kind of cool. You know, from a scene perspective where you go, wow, this is not kidding because the Game Master pulled out all the stops on this one. We got sound effects. We got all this stuff. Sounds like a real dragon screaming and roaring and blah, blah, blah. Wow, this is pretty cool. I think there's something to be said for that. Even if you end up, quote unquote, you know, telegraphing, that's a big deal through using specific sounds just for specific events. I think that's pretty cool, though. Like, it, I think it works well. And is less time-consuming and one less thing that you as Game Master have to dick around with behind the screen. And the other piece is if you really want to use these tools and try to get better at them, I do actually... I have, before a game with my kids, If I, I know where they're going. So I set up DMDJ has these little has a scene for sound effects for favorites. So I go through put in like you know breaking glass or sliding rocks because I know where they are. I put this stuff in place so I can tap these different sound effects when they want to hear the monster or whatever it is because it's fun. And my kids don't mind if it takes an extra second or two to get the right sound effect because they want the sound effect. They're they're interested in it and they think it's fun. My grown up gamers, my buddies want the game to keep moving, so I don't use the sound effects as much as the background sounds, because it's easy to play. You're outside in the rain, in the mountains. Boom. I hit some sound. You got a thunderstorm in the mountain pass with rain. There it is. And then if you're in the savannah, I play that. Everybody gets it. It's nighttime. You hit the nighttime button, so on and so forth. Fairly seamless. Don't run into much issue there. But I think it's one of those things, if you want to try it, my advice would be, I think very similar to what we said way back when, when we first talked about this is, Start slow. If you may have really grand ideas of what you want to do with sound effects and audio and how to mix that stuff on at your table, but start slow. Yeah, I would. I I foresee getting audio, and you play it, and every time you play, and it's a particular scene, mm -hmm. it's the same audio, which is okay if it's ambiance yes but if it's like music it's the same and one of the things about music is it's oh sean's queuing up music that means something's going to happen oh yeah i mean if every time you're playing a modern game like oh there's the latest that's the uh, five finger death punch song that brett likes and it's the same goddamn five finger death punch song that brett plays every time we have a big fight with the ogre bosses or any big fight so that's why I like the ambiance stuff, because it's just playing. Right. It's easier to deal with. The other thing you could do, and you mentioned this, which I didn't think about initially, is that players can help you with this. 
And so far as if you're like, hey, can you cue this track for me or whatever it is, or it's a sound. If players can do stuff, I mean, you could have somebody in the know um, when it comes to playing tracks and stuff if you want. I don't, I, 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 I've not played with mixing that up and having players have their own, you know, lightsaber sound effects that they play every time that they swing their lightsaber or whatever. Some that, some groups may find that very cheesy, corny, just fucking stupid. Don't know. And that's Jeff other- brings out his own damn lightsaber. Well, that's because he's Darth Vader, too. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is some groups, the other component is you may think sound is really cool at a game, but be prepared for potential you know, f- feedback. Your players may be like, yeah, it was okay, but I thought it was distracting. Well, there's you know, sometimes it can get too loud. So you have the sound, and then somebody's talking, so they have to talk above that sound, and then it's not their turn, but they're still talking. And then the next person that has to tell you what they're doing has to talk even louder and sometimes it can get a little obnoxious. I don't foresee that happening with a lot of people, but it's well, something to I tell be you conscious what, man. of. Oh, you're absolutely right. That's why, you know, four groups in a bar is really oh, loud. Yeah. Four groups of four. Yeah. The next thing you know, you're yelling to get attention. <laughs> it's crazy. It just it gets louder and louder and louder, louder. Yeah, it gets pretty loud pretty fast. So I think volume is a big deal. So pay attention to that. And don't you don't want it to be overpowering because if it is, then... To your point, everybody's, it's just, it's blasts out everything else. And the other piece of it's overly subtle and you will, you may find yourself disappointed. Whoa, I played five uh, monsters walking through the sand soundtrack, you know, noise, noise effects. No one even caught onto it. Oh my God. And they're like, I didn't fucking hear you because Jeff's rolling dice, dude. I don't have time. I can't hear you when Jeff's rolling dice. You could roll, you know, monster sneaks through grass and I can't hear shit because, you know, Nick and Lenny just are telling jokes in the back and I'm trying to shut them up and uh, whatever, man. So it can be kind of hit or miss, right, in a way. And I think for my group, we have come to the conclusion that the atmosphere stuff is great. And if you're in a town, if you're in a dungeon, you're in a spaceship or something like that, and you've got some sound going, that's awesome. Just sound effect, background, ambient noise. If you get too specific with them, it doesn't work. My kids, on the other hand, when I play with them, the ambient sound is great. They love that, signaling it's nighttime. Oh, it's raining. I can hear thunder in the distance. They like reacting to that. They think that's fun. and when there's a fight and I've got like arrows flying, I can hit the button a few times. I can have a monster roaring. They think that's just wonderful. And that's that's fun for them. My players, my regular home group, I think they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing, Brett? Why are you doing that? <laughs> See, one thing we haven't touched on is how you actually incorporate music into the game as a theme of the game. Well, you did a little bit with your Star Wars thing. I mean, how do you play... I shouldn't say how do you play, but, you know, Star Wars starting a game with the crawl at the beginning. And the other piece, I actually did this with my original Bad Magic game. Um, we ended up playing, there was an old, I think, 60s or 70s uh, detective show called Canon. Oh, God. Okay. And Robert, uh, who's that? Someone, Conrad. One yeah, of Conrad. Con- William yeah. Conrad? I think so. Can't remember. But anyway. It's not so, Robert Conrad. No, it's not Robert. But Alpha made a character he called Cookie. And uh, was it Cookie? I can't remember. Fuck. Anyway, there are only two things in danger in uh, in his in his, only two things in danger in Cookie's hands: hoagies and criminals. That was it. He was this fat guy who had like judo skill, or whatever. And he was and and, and Kevin's play with us, and, we're, and he's laughing. I'm like, what? He goes, he made fucking Frank Cannon or whoever. He goes, Cannon. Don't you remember that? I said, I don't remember that show. And half the other group was like, oh my god. So we took a break, looked it up on YouTube. We're like, oh my god, that's totally his character. We didn't even pick this on purpose. And so every time the group would get together, we'd be bullshitting, pouring beer, 
I would call up the Canon theme song and play it, and that was the sign. It's time to start the game. William Conrad. It was William Conrad. I nailed it, man. You did. But the the theme song for Canon became, oh, time to start gaming. And That's I can like see, I can playing see it was a 70s song and and having uh or a 70s show and playing uh oh shit the intro music man oh man what's his name <laughs> well, I would say if you're playing Star Wars you and, you and you're there and you're the game master you want to get everybody's attention you start the crawl music shaft shaft there you go <laughs> there you go yeah there it is <laughs> God. Dude, I'm I'm losing my mind. Uh, I know you are. That's because you're older than me, as we discussed. Shaft. I was just talking about Shaft. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Anyway, it, it could be a great like time to start the game because I play this, and at the end of it, you could have a closing for, at the end of the session. You start with one thing, and at the end, this other music kicks in. Like, ah, guess we're done, and that was where we're going to leave the game tonight. Oh, awesome! Whatever it is, you could have a beginning and ending. There's ways to play with this, to uh, depending on what kind of effect you're looking for, and I think. The call to arms is like, hey, guys, fucking pay attention. We're actually gaming now. That music can be great. And like, okay, we're done. And uh, have some ending music. You could do that, too. Just bookend it, kind of like we do the show. Well, in uh, my Savage Worlds, um, oh, Jesus. You man. can't remember anything, Sean. I can't remember anything. It's getting terrible. Sean doesn't um, even play Savage Worlds people. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's the, it's the mobster one that I run. It's the, uh, oh, forget the, about it. Forget about it. Yeah. Forget yeah. about it, man. When they're driving down the road and they got a radio in the 1967 convertible Cadillac. Yeah. I want the people at the table to be able to hit the radio buttons and have it switch tunes. That would be cool. Yeah. One of them, uh, uh, shoot, one of our patrons had done, he, he got into, um, singing, singing the songs while he was driving. Really? And then, yeah. And then he like turn his CW, Mel, CW would do that. Oh yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. He was like singing, you know, whatever song came on. Oh, that's awesome. And then he just kind of like. The, the the whole car would start to go left to right because he'd just kind of like just kind of singing and driving yeah. a little yeah, Sunday singing driving and action. driving not paying attention. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, CW, that's awesome, man. But yeah, cool. that that and then the uh, nah, I don't know about Tales from the Loop, but uh, kids on bikes having like a boombox, having a kid carry around a boombox of tunes during the eighties or nineties, yeah, yeah, during the go. era. I think music is really cool. It can add some cool stuff to the game. It, as with most things that you go, oh, wow, that'd be really cool. If you're anything like me, your head goes to, wow, I could do all this stuff. And I think if you're smart, don't do what Brett does and and pair yourself back. Start a little smaller. I've never done this before. I'm going to try this thing first. How about I do some intro music? How about I do a certain sound effect for a certain scene? How about I do a soundtrack just for this big event? Or whatever it is. Start a little bit smaller, I think. And uh, then you can work your way into, once you kind of master that piece, then you can make your way forward. And you'll also be able to find out if anybody at your table gives you shit. They're like, hey, I put all this work in and no one cares. I'm surprised a lot more more actual plays do not have a sound engineer manning the effects in real time. Not in post. No, I get you. In real time. 
Like, hey, you enter the room. Door swings open. But it's... You, you know, gotta get a Foley artist. That's the the radio drama man. Yeah. You gotta get the guy with the uh, coconuts. Yeah. With the actual... With the uh, Streets of Avalon one, I think it was all post. Yeah. Sneezek put some stuff in there just to add add some flavor, bits and pieces, you know, gunshot here or some the stuff we did. Like the right the right bits, if you will, the rain type of thing. But yeah, that would be especially guys like I'll, I've never watched the episode of Critical Role, but you know Matt Mercer for God's sakes, boy, he could take that up a notch if he got a foley artist in there working his magic. Yeah, there's got to be a reason why they don't incorporate that. I imagine they're just trying to play. Well, the other piece too is, I mean, at a certain at a certain stage, it becomes so overly produced, right. For them, it's not even a game anymore. It's it's so far from D and D or whatever the hell it is they're playing that night or whatever. And that's where you know, like I say, if you start small with it, you get a chance to try out try it out with your team, try it out with you, and see if you like it. Was it fun? Did you enjoy doing it? If the player's like, yeah, it was okay, okay, cool. You don't mind if I keep trying? Oh yeah, go ahead. Or if like that was super fucking distracting, Brett, don't ever do that again. Okay, that's some direct feedback. I probably will take that into account. You know. It's worth asking that type of stuff. So for our listeners out there, I think we've gone on enough about this. Are you using sound? If you are, how are you doing it? Do you have a favorite tool that you're using to uh, do sound effects and stuff? Um, you run on a laptop. Do you have a mixer? How are you? What are you doing? How are you doing it? You know, and are, if it's like, hey, I only use that stuff when I'm on Roll20 or something like that, that could be cool to bring out too. If, it's, if you've got a tool that lets you do things really well virtual tabletop it could be a really cool way to help keep people focused in a virtual tabletop environment too so anyway let us know what you're doing it'd be great to hear about it shall we yeah let's get to die roll die roll 2d4 miscellaneous things we want to bring to your attention amongst other things um so we'll go down the tool list since we're on that topic we got DM DJ. That's DM DJ Crazy Brett's tool of choice. What what? Um, puts it on his iPad. Is that only? Is that iPad only? I don't know. I have a link in there that's to their website, so you can see it. I believe they do it for Android as well. I forgot the link of iJingle. So iJingle. That's weird. I thought I had it on there. Um, is used on our show, which is iPad. I do not believe it's Android. But some of these, like, I think probably DMDJ, I haven't looked at it, but DMDJ, Boss Jock, um, iJingle, uh, there's another one on my phone somewhere, on my tablet. But some of these are just literally programmable buttons. You hit the button, right? It, you browse to the file you want. You can click the button, and then, like, iJingle, you could set the option for the button to repeat or pause and stop or if you push it again it rewinds it all the way to back to the beginning so it does certain things um you can do fade and you can do shuffle all kinds of stuff so cool those you can program too second one sirenscape a lot of gamers out there know about this one beautiful immersive dynamic music and sound effects for your favorite tabletop games and then probably their competitor, Tabletop Audio, which I've used firsthand, which is 10 minutes of ambiances and music for your games and stories. I can say for a fact, Tabletop Audio, you can choose 
different environments. So you click that, and then it'll take you to a whole slew of different sounds that may pertain to that environment. So if you go like jungle environment, you go to jungle, there's wind, rain. Oh, nice. Yeah, you get the the animal sounds of the jungle, all kinds of different things. So he's he's got it themed um, appropriately. So those are some of the different tools you could use amongst like, hey, I just have music on my iPad or iPhone. Or there's got to be a shit ton of them out there. We just don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, let us know. Uh, Stargate RPG public beta. So Stargate RPG used to be by AEG, and then it's been no longer. I don't. Uh, and so I don't know. This came up on my Google feed, where it's a public beta. So we'll have a link to that if you're a Stargate fan. Huh, Looks cool. pretty cool. So I'm not sure how they're doing it or what the license is, but. So a while back, I had uh, talked about a virtual tabletop that I thought looked really cool, and I saw it in one of um, um, Animated Spellbook, Zbashu's stuff, and I found it, and it's Tailspire. Um, it's in beta right now. That It kickstarted, it's funded. If you go to the website, you can you can pre-order, blah, 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 but they've got all the, you know, through backer kit, whatever. But it looks wicked, wicked cool. I have not dug into it, other than the fact that, oh, well, it looks wicked cool, and I've got a bookmark to uh, do it further myself, but Take a look at that if you got time. It might be cool. Might be good. I might be a good answer to stuff. What else you got, Sean? All right, and the next one, Browser Quest. I saw this on LinkedIn. A really? guy that a guy that I used to work with, and I as a candidate of mine that I recruited years ago. Did we talk he, about this guy before? Nope. Different no, different guy. Man, totally you, different. Yeah, you know, cool people. Yeah, works for the DOT. Damn. That's all I'll say. But Browser Quest. Single-player browser-based RPG. And I'm like, hey, man, I'll mention this on our show. And he's like, well, it's in alpha, but I'm still working on it. Uh, dude, we're gamers. We're cool to see stuff. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just throw traffic at it. You can check it out as he brings it to fruition. Neat. And then the last but not least, we have the links to Ty's reference to the Index RPG, Index Card RPG. And we'll have a link to the core rules and then he also had a link to index card volume one which i think is a supplement cool and there's a few index card volume two three four but check it out uh, a lot of people appreciate that game so there you go neat yeah what are we talking about next week brett this is one that sean's wanted to talk about for a while we we're talking about innovation in the rpg industry we're gonna leave it to sean to help me identify what we mean by innovation next time and then we'll go at it and see what you're talking about you good I'm good, man. Better come prepared. It's your topic, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's how we're stuck in the pen, paper, and dice eras. Oh, we got PDFs too, man. We're totally... PDFs. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. It's a little tease for the next one. Sweet. We're not talking about PDFs and pen, paper, and dice. All right. Wow. This has been an episode of Gaming and BS. I want to thank Mark S. and Mumfrey999 for joining us in Discord to hear us ramble on this live. Otherwise, you could tune in. We're either here Monday or Sunday nights. Yep. Live. But otherwise, catch us on our favorite and uh, your favorite podcatcher, man. Sweet. We good? We're good, man. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Aaron Ralia, 
Larry Hout, Mark DeSaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Mike Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Nolabert, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scoozer, uh, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, De- David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talvola, Hus Carl, Roger Brassett, Mark Soam, Andy Hall, Erica Villa, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghost DM, Mike Hess, Angus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Jim Ingram, Dirtless, Dirtless, aka Dan, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Mirko Froilich, Rich Wishon. Do us a favor. Go and tell somebody about the show and have them subscribe. We would really, really appreciate it. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash subscribe. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.